um, maybe from the perspective of the the, the son of the of the um, father. And so, I guess I better get back into my pony story because you guys are wondering what is she talking about. And disclaimer, mom, if you're watching Facebook Live, this is in no way a reflection of my mother's mothering because she was an amazing mom. And so I want to get that out of the way. She's probably like, great, you're going to use like the worst example of me as a mom. But my mom was an amazing mom. But sometimes we can get misguided in life. And and she told she, I was just asking her about this story recently, and it got a good laugh um, out of the family. But as you guys know, I grew up in a farm and. Um, I was a baby, and my mom was going to change my diaper, and so she laid me on the living room floor to change me. And I don't think I was, like, crawling or anything, but so I was laying there, and this was in the 70s. I'm getting old, I know. So this was in the 70s with cloth diapers and, you know, those big pins that you use with cloth diapers. Not so safe with kids, right? But um, I'm so thankful for disposable diapers now. But so she had me laying on the living room floor to change my diaper and I, diaper off. Out of the corner of her of her eye, she saw something going by the window, and it was my sister's pony, my older sister's pony, because you know the older siblings get all the good things, right? She had a pony. I didn't have a pony, but she did. So she sees the pony running down our street, and so my mom had to make that split second decision of what to do. I've got my baby here, a pony, and again, mom, I make mistakes all the time too as parenting so this is nothing on my mom but she took off after the pony so she 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 retells a story that she takes off after the pony and she's running down the gravel road where our farm was and she gets like halfway down the road and she's like oh my gosh what did I just do I left my baby she's going to get the pin stuck in her eye you know she thought she's going to come back to like craziness or whatever and so one of our neighbors um, saw her and stopped and picked her up and brought her back home and Everything was fine. I made it out okay, maybe. I don't know. But, um, but I was there. I wasn't going anywhere, and I, I was safe, and um, everything was fine. The neighbor got the pony back. Um, but it reminded me of how when I was doing my sermon and uh, when I went to visit my parents a few weeks ago, we were talking about it, and it was a reminder that so many times in life we can get distracted and we can take, you know, maybe we make a split-second decision on what course to take or what path to take. And for my mom, she realized quickly that she had taken the wrong one and quickly got back on track. And that's going to be my story. And that's just kind of a funny way to start it. That's not that serious. But I just want to wake you guys up this morning <laughs> um, and give you a little glimpse into sometimes at life we make small decisions that can affect us in a big way or big decisions that you know can also affect us in a big way but I want to start by retelling the story of the product or the prodigal son and I'm just going to talk through a few verses so I'm going to start at Luke 15 starting at verse 11 and go through verse 16 so Jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And I love that. Jesus is talking to the um, Pharisees and to the tax collectors, and he's telling them that these are the people to love. These are the people that we are supposed to show compassion to. And Pastor talked about that last week, of how 
um, it's so important to show compassion to the people in our lives that maybe aren't doing the best things, but that we have a, we have a Heavenly Father who forgives, and so should we. And so I'm, I'm going to take some prodigal son insights from this um, parable. And Jesus only told a glimpse of the story. We don't know the specifics because it is just an example of he was trying to make a point, so it wasn't um, necessarily a true story. It was a parable to get his point across. But I think that um, I want to take a little bit of insight into the prodigal son and what he must have been thinking to do what he did. And I think the first thing is sometimes it's easy to let our emotions take over. How often in life do we let our emotions rule? Like how long do we have to wait to get that job we want or we want that mate right now or I don't have time to wait on God. I really have to make it happen on my own. And I love how the Message Bible translates verse 11 and 12. In the Message Bible it says, Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me right now. And that's so true of the times that we live in now and how often we let our emotions get the best of us and we want what's coming to us right now. We don't want to have to wait. We want it right now. And so the prodigal son had seen what his father had, the the land, the animals, the farming, whatever. And so he wanted it right now. He wanted to go live his life right now. And it doesn't talk about the age of the prodigal son, but I'm thinking he's probably young. And, you know, in our youth, we don't always make the best decisions. And so I think that the prodigal son was probably someone in his youth who wanted to have that lavish lifestyle. And we know that it left him to the pigs. I would say that he acted hastily and lacked impulse control. His lack of impulse control literally left him to the pigs. And and Pastor talked about it how last week, um, you know, if you were a Jew, you'd eat kosher. And so for to be feeding pigs was pretty much the most unclean thing a Jewish boy could do. And so sometimes his, his lack of impulse control led him to a place that wasn't good for him, for his family to know that he was there. And so it really literally left him in a, in a pigsty. And so I think that we have to take in account this insight that sometimes life leads us down a road, maybe from our lack of impulse control, let, leads us into places we don't want to go or be. And so we have to keep our emotions in check because God created our emotions. Our emotions are good, right? God created them. We have to keep them in check. 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father but from the world. And in the prodigal sons, it talks about, if, um, in, in, the story, in the parable of the prodigal son, it talks about how the prodigal son wanted to go and and live this lavish lifestyle. He, he spent his money on prostitutes and things that were worldly and that he thought would give him just um, temporary happiness or maybe a lifetime of happiness. I don't know what was going through his mind. We don't know. But I challenge you today to look to have happiness through Jesus Christ. That, um, like just it says in, in 1 John 2.16, that the cravings of the world will lead to um, self-destruction and, and bad things. Not everything in the world is bad. But when we crave and lust over things of the world, it can lead us into, into the wrong road. And I think that the prodigal sons, his intentions probably weren't to end up in the pig pen, but sometimes it's so easily to be led off course um, with maybe not wrong intentions. My mom's intention wasn't to leave me to go chasing after a pony. 
I wish they had like vi- like phones back then, like video phones, because I would want to see that, because um, that would be hilarious, and I could use it against my mom. I'm kidding. I love my mom. I would never use that against her. But her intentions, I'm sure she would have thought about it the next day. Why in the world did I do that? Um, but sometimes that's just a tiny little example of how we can sometimes see, you know, something so quickly and act on it. And But God is calling us to live a little higher standard of living, right? He's calling us to live a life full of righteousness and things that he has for us. And when I think about getting off course, I think of like our GPS systems in our car. You know, they can get us off course so easily. They're meant for to get us the right way, but oftentimes they lead us the wrong way. And I'm always cracking up sometimes when we're going somewhere and we put it in a GPS, and maybe it's a place that we've been before, but we don't listen to ourselves. We listen to the GPS, and we're going in circles, and we're like, oh, my gosh, we're idiots. Why are we listening to this lady? Um, but, you know, sometimes that can happen. We can be listening to the world's distractions, and it can get off, it can get off course. And I was um, looking up, true, these are true stories of how GPS systems have led people into disasters. And so these are kind of funny. And I was reading them, and I was double-checking to make sure they are true um, because I was like, that's crazy. And I think I have pictures. And so in the first picture, you see the, the car on the left. So three young women escaped a sinking SUV after the vehicle's GPS directed them down a boat launch into a river in Washington state. The driver said she was on the road while following her GPS device and that she was actually heading down a boat launch. She was in town for a conference and she was using a rented SUV and said that they all made it to safely, all the drivers made it to safely, but said that she was just following the GPS navigational system. The one on the right says that three tourists in Australia found themselves in an embarrassing situation after their GPS navigation system lured them down the wrong path. The the three student tourists set out to drive to North Strait Book Island on the Australian coast Thursday morning and mapped out their path on the GPS system. The road looked cleared at low tide, but the map forgot to show them the nine miles of water and mud between the island and the mainland. So as the three drove their rented Hyundai, it's always rented cars, right? We must not care when we have rented cars, I don't know. As they, they drove their rented Hyundai into the bay, they found that their GPS device was guiding them from a gravel road into thick mud. They tried to get back onto solid ground, but as the tide rose, they were forced to abandon their car. Passengers on passing ferries watched in amazement as they made it out 50 yards offshore before they realized that they were stranded and a tow truck boat had to come save them. And those are some funny stories about GPS systems leading people down the wrong way. And, you know, when you're blindly listening to it, maybe you haven't been to that area before, so you're just blindly listening to GPS But I think so many of us in life are going through life blindly, listening to the world tell us where to go. And, you know, we can be so distracted by the world. If we aren't in the Bible reading every day, if we're not praying for God to guide us, the world will take us down the wrong path. Because the world, what they want to offer us is, is money and power and all these things that tells us, you know, to do this, to get rich, to do this, to have friends and family and to have life. But just as these GPS systems took them the wrong way, I don't want the world taking us the wrong way, so we need to be in tune with our Heavenly Father. And I also think sometimes you're trusting ourselves more than trusting God. I've been in that situation so many times where it's really 
more easy for me to figure out the situation than to ask God for his help and, and to trust in him. And, you know, that's certainly the case with GPS. We're blindly listening to them sometimes. And when we know how to get there, I mean, how many times can you circle like a parking lot listening to GPS before you realize, I just need to get out of the parking lot? But oftentimes that's what happens in our spiritual life as well. We're trusting ourselves rather than trusting God. And I know so true that God has a better design for your life, a better path and course for your life than you could ever have for yourself. And so I encourage you just this morning to, to trust in God and to maybe, maybe you're trying to do something in your own desire, your own will so hard, but give that to God. Let him figure it out and just follow his lead. Trying to make it happen on our own will lead to the right places. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I want, to get, I want us to have eternal life. I want us to not look after what the world has, because the world is a sinful place. It's a, good, it's a good thing that we have this world, and the amazing things that we are given in this world are awesome. But often they lead to death, and I, and I want us to choose life this morning. The other thing is to maybe, if you feel like you're going down the wrong course, and and when I'm talking to you this morning, it's not necessarily that you are doing something so crazy. You're going way off course in your life. Maybe I think in life we have to constantly be making adjustments along the way. I mean, I do that constantly. Am I doing this right as a parent, as a wife, as a friend, as you know what God has for me? Am I doing exactly what God has set for me? And so I think at times we have to really align ourselves and keep adjusting um, our lives to, to fill God's purpose on our lives. And so I think it's important that we are always thinking about, is this the path God has for me? And I think we have to consider the fruit that's coming out of our lives. And just as we know, like the fruit coming out of the prodigal son life was leading him to a pigsty or a pig pen, we have to consider the fruit that's coming out of the lives of the course that we're taking in our, in our lives. And, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. And is it producing these fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? If it's giving you anger and resentment and sadness and making you tense and angry, it's probably not the course God wants for you. And we, so we have to be always honing in our, our lives to the fruit of the Spirit and being, adjusting our lives into that and seeing those good things come out of our lives. That's what we want to see, right? We want to see love and joy and peace. We, we want all those things for our lives. And if we're following God's purpose for our lives, they will come out. Sometimes we don't see it right away. Just as I think of a ship or a plane, we know that if their coordinates are off just slightly, they can end up going the wrong path. And after hundreds of miles, they'd be in a totally different destination than what they had started off to go to because their coordinates had just been off slightly. And I think sometimes we can go off course in our lives so slightly. We can maybe stop coming to church. We can maybe stop hanging around people that bring good into our lives. Or we can maybe stop bringing our Bibles or, or stop doing these things. You know, for me, can I be honest? Maybe not exercising. And I have to readjust that, you know, these are areas of a life that we're all dealing with. You know, if we have areas in our life that we need changed, maybe it's just an adjustment time that we have to do. And so I would just encourage you to keep adjusting your life. And the other thing is, I, you know, the prodigal son, what he was chasing after 
by taking his inheritance early, he was chasing after dead things. He was chasing after things that would not give him life. Psalms 119.37, it says, Turn my eyes from the worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. And as I think about the prodigal son, I think about in life what we're chasing after. If we're chasing after money, money is dead. We can't take it to heaven. If we're chasing after, like the prodigal son was spending his money on prostitute, if we're, if we're having sex outside of marriage, it's going to lead to heartache oftentimes. Using alcohol, drugs to, um, to suffice our, our needs, our emotions, will lead to a dead end. If you're searching for fame, it's a dead end. Fame will end up using you. And I really want to encourage you this morning to chase after things that are living, chasing after things that are God, because, you know, we can really chase after the wrong things of life and lead us down a destructive path. And as I was um, going through this this week and just um, thinking about death and life and how things can bring death and life into our lives, I was thinking about how um, after Jesus died on the cross and was buried the next on um, the first day on Monday the the ladies came to the tomb and they were going to put spices on Jesus' body and we know that they arrived at the tomb and the tomb stone had been rolled away and there stood an angel telling them that he's not here but I love that it says the angel tells them why are you looking for living among the dead he's not here he has risen and so I say that to you this morning. Don't search for living things among the dead. Search for Jesus. Seek life. Looking for life in things that are not God will lead you to death or to the wrong path. St. Augustine wrote in his book of Confessions, Without you, what am I to myself but a guide to my own self-destruction? And I think that if we are looking to ourselves to have to, for our lives to be guided by ourselves and through our own human effort, efforts, it will surely lead to self-destruction. But when we turn to God for life, he will give it to us. So I just want to remind us to stop searching for things that are dead. And just as the women at the tomb were told that to stop looking for the, dead among the, li- or the living among the dead, I, I would tell you this morning to do the same. So... Maybe you find that, okay, Melissa, maybe you're right. Maybe I am a little off course. Maybe I'm not ex- doing exactly what God has purposed for my life. And how often do we, we do that? We take the wrong jobs. We take the wrong relationships or whatever. And so, you know, you think that maybe God has abandoned you or forsaken you or forgotten about you, but he hasn't. And I love that we sang, I'm not alone this morning, because no matter what you're going through this morning, even if you feel like it's through your own doings, you're on the wrong path through yourselves, God will still provide for you. God will still care for He still cares for you. And I was remembering about um, in Exodus 16, it talks about the Israelites who are wandering in the wilderness. And we know they were there for 40 years on a trip that should have taken just weeks. And so they were wandering. Maybe they had lost their way. And they began to complain that they were hungry and, and, and thirsty. And so they sat and they told Moses, you know, why don't we go back to Egypt? You know, at least in Egypt we had meat and vegetables and um, we had, you know, homes. Yeah, we were slaves, but we had provided for our families food and nourishment. And often in times that's what we want to do in life. When we find ourselves in the wrong path or down a wrong road, that we, we want to sit and complain that why are we here? Why has God put me in this place? But what Moses did, instead of complaining like the Israelites did, he turned to God for prayer. 
He cried out in prayer for God for, to provide for them. So the Israelites were following God's path, but they were in need. And sometimes it's hard to see what God has in your future when you're struggling in the present. Isn't that so true? I'm going to read that again because it spoke to me so much. It's hard to see what God has in the future when you're struggling in the present. And I think we all go through those times that maybe we lack money, maybe we lack the things that we need in life, or maybe we're just going through hard times, and it's so hard to think about our future, what God could possibly have for us when we're struggling in our present need. But it's so important to trust God in those times, to trust him even when we're maybe going through a valley time of our lives when we just feel low and we're going through um, life changes or just difficulties that we trust God through those times. And the God gave Israelites food, but he also gave instructions. With great grace came great expectations. See, if you read the story of the Israelites and the manna, God just didn't rain down manna on them. He gave them instructions. He said, take what you need during the day, eat it, don't keep it overnight, sixth day, collect it for the next day so you can rest on the Sabbath. He gave them instructions. And sometimes we have to listen for God when we're asking for our needs, when we're asking provision, because oftentimes he will give us instructions. And so he expects us to listen to his commands. And just as Israelites were given manna from, from God, God, Jesus is our daily bread, and we have to receive him daily. Just as the Israelites were told every day to go and get fresh manna, don't store it overnight, I would also like to say we have to get, be listening to Jesus every day. He is our daily bread. What you read in the Bible yesterday, what you prayed yesterday, that's awesome. And the Bible says that God's word never changes. But we have to be receiving him daily to sustain us in life because life is tough. Because as soon as we walk out our door, as soon as we get away from that place that we're spending time with God, the world is just seeping into our minds and into our hearts. And so we have to be so important to be in with God every day. And so the Israelites learned lessons in greed because what happened is some of them began to store it over into their, into their, and with their families overnight. And what happened in the morning, it was covered in maggots, and it was like, you know, I told you so. But um, their hoarding manna showed a lack of trust in God. Would he still supply in the morning? The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. And so if you need mercy, it's new every day. God has still more he can give to you. Maybe you feel like you've taken all the mercy, all the grace, all the love that God has for you, but it says every day it's renewing. Every day his mercy is new for you. His love is new for you every moment. And so we have to trust in a faithful God that he will supply our needs. He knows exactly what we need for today and tomorrow. And just like he supplied the Israelites with manna, he knew they would need it every day. And just he is with us every day. He is our daily supply, whatever we need. So how do we reset? Maybe we are on the wrong course. Maybe we're not doing everything that God purposed in our lives. Maybe we know we're not where God wants us to be. So what do we do? The first thing I would say we retreat with God. And I had talked about um, this a little bit on Mother's Day when I spoke to the, to the ladies, to the moms. Um, a few months ago I attended a women's retreat. And um, it was three days of prayer and it was super intense. And to be honest, like when I walked in, 
It was a beautiful time. The women were amazing. Um, I would do it again in a heartbeat, but um, when you walk in, they took your cell phone. They took your pet bags. They said, you know, if anybody needs you, they're going to have to call the church. And I was like, my cell phone? You can't take my cell phone. But they did, um, and they just put it on a shelf. It wasn't like they took it from us. But um, they just gave us, they said, you could take a Bible and some paper and a pen. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so um, the lady that was instructing during the retreat um, was amazing. And I hope to maybe bring this to our church at one point because it was, it was life-changing for me. But to be honest, like the first hour, they said, okay, everyone find your spots and pray. And so I did. And so like after like a half hour, I was like, oh, my gosh, three days of this? I can't do it. And so that's just my human flesh talking right now. Um, I wanted to do it, but, you know, I realized how in life we are so bombarded with our cell phones and with distractions that sitting there for that first hour or two, it was painful. I was like, can I talk to somebody at least? Um, And they had different activities to do while we were praying, but it was so hard for me to really get into and after the first day, it got a little bit better. And I think that's one of those things that we just have to um, practice, right? Like, it's so hard to sit for hours and pray. For me, it is. Maybe, you know, like, you guys are judging me right now. I can, I can feel your judgmental eyes. <laughs> but it was so tough, like, just to sit, you know. And they had music playing, but it was like you just didn't spend time with God. And it was so tough. But what I can tell you is that um, I feel the journal with, amazing things that God was revealing through his word to me and just some areas of life where I needed direction I mean I would not take back those hours spent with God to, to for anything and I can't wait to do that again but I don't know about three days but uh that is hard for for most of us we can't take off time especially if you're a parent you have a job it's it's kind of difficult to leave for three days like I'm going to pray for three days that's maybe not always sustainable but what I challenge you is maybe it's taking a Saturday afternoon and spending time just with God go to a park or um, just in your bedroom or your home just spending time alone with God and for me I've challenged myself this year after the retreat was maybe I can't do this often um, but you know maybe every day we have to just spend time with God and I would challenge you that when you spend time with God, really try to get away from those distractions. You know, for me, it's kind of easy. I work here, so, you know, it's kind of easy. I leave my phone and stuff down on my desk, and I come and just spend time with God. And um, not knowing, and Pastor talks about it all the time, about we got to get away from our cell phones. But it's so true. When I do leave my, I don't know if you guys ever leave the house and you forget your cell phone. To me, sometimes it's like, yay, no one can get a hold of me. Um, but when you do have those moments of, you know, when you're alone just with God, you don't have anybody calling you, no notifications on your phone. I mean, those times to me are sacred. And God really pours out his spirit to me. And I just feel overwhelmed with love and um, just comforted by God. And sometimes he doesn't say anything. Sometimes it's just me being patient and waiting Um, But I really would challenge you to retreat with God, spend those times with him, away from distractions. And um, I have a verse on there, Hebrews 19. Let me... Hebrews 19, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the Mount Holy Place by the blood of Jesus 
by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have great priests over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water. And I know for me that, you know, I have to have this every day. I have to be sprinkled with this cleansing water every day because as humans we fail every day. I'm constantly making mistakes. I'm constantly needing a cleansing from God and just a renewal. And so I really challenge you today to spend time retreating with God. And I have number two is to strip away unnecessary things. And I'm not going to go too long on this because I think it, it makes sense and you guys can understand that there's things in your lives maybe you have to strip away. Maybe if we spend too much time watching TV, maybe it's time to get rid of cable. Maybe if you're on your phone too much, maybe it's time to put it down. Or maybe it's other things, other things that are taking you away from God, what he has for you, things that are not necessary to your life. Maybe it's about downsizing, right? At my house, the more cluttered it is, the more messy my house is, I feel like it's so difficult for me to concentrate. And I think the same thing with our minds and our souls. When we have our souls and our minds so cluttered with the word, with the world, and, and, and all the daily things that come into play, I think it's so important that we maybe strip away some of those things in our minds that God doesn't want us to be thinking about, or maybe those areas in our life that aren't good for us, to strip those away. Downsize the things in your life to bring it back into the importance things that God has for us. Number three is a word that I don't like. It's obedience. It's a, word, it's a big word that is a scary word, to be obedient. Second John 6 says, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. In Matthew 22:37, what is his command? It says, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, and I was in here on Friday praying over... Uh, my sermon this morning and and I got to this and I know that God was telling me about obedience and it's a word I don't like to say because it sounds so scary and um, but when I was praying God was just telling me um, especially after reading 2nd John 6 he led me to that scripture and, and I believe that this is the reason why and I wrote this as I was praying on Friday it says to love is to gain knowledge and help of our purpose to love God to seek his face don't get caught up in specifics. When we love God, we will want to follow his commands. He will bless our love and obedience. And that oftentimes when I think of the word obedience, I think about Old Testament and the things, the laws and stuff they had to do to um, get close to God for his glory to come near to them. But in the New Testament, we have given, we've been given Jesus as a Savior, that we don't have to abide by those Old Testament laws, but that his command for us today is to love him with all our heart and our soul and our mind. That's his command. And as I was praying on Friday, God was just telling me that oftentimes when we're praying and we're asking God to do these things for our lives and giving him a list of things that we need and, and how we should, it should be done and how God should help us meet these needs, God was simply telling me to, to love him, to seek his face. Because here's what happens. When we love God and we, by his command, to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then we, obedience will flow out of that. You know, when we, I love my husband, and so I want to do things that will make him happy. 
And the same with our Heavenly Father. When we spend time with Him, when we love Him with all that we have, we can't help but to do things that honor Him. Am I right? And so I want to end this morning with a psalm, and it was the um, video this morning that, or before I preached, because I found Psalm 119 um, trivia here. It's the longest um, verse in the Bible, so don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but it is so beautiful, and it's a beautiful, it almost reads as a prayer um, uh, to God about wanting to know his, his guidance through our lives, wanting to know his ways and what he has for us. And so my homework for you this week is to go home and read through Psalm 119, the whole, ver- the whole chapter, because, you know, I was doing that every day this week. I was reading through it in different translations and spending time reflecting on the, on the words of the passage. And it, it was, it's so beautiful. It reads as a prayer almost. And um, sometimes, you know, when we're praying for guidance from God or from help, my own words don't seem adequate. And that's when I turn to Scripture because the Scripture is so full of beautiful prayers and um, commands for us that when we don't have words to pray, pray Scripture. And Psalm 119 is a beautiful place to start. And so I'm going to ask if you want to take out your Bible and turn to Psalm 119. It's probably right in the middle of the Bible there. If you want to stand with me, I'm going to close in this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, don't worry. But I am a, I'm going to start at Psalm 119. Are you guys ready? I'm going to go down to about verse 16. Let, Psalm 119 starts, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are fully, to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And if you can... um, Go to to verse 33. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me an understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn Turn my heart toward your statues and not toward selfish gains. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your purpose to your servant, so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How long for your pre- I long for your precepts, and your righteousness preserve my life. In the last verse, I just want to read real quickly of Psalms 51.10. Create in me a, clear, a pure heart, O God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And the rest of the Psalms is so beautiful. I only took a few passages out that really spoke to me this week as I was praying for you guys and what God would have me bring to you today. But I would say that read this whole Psalms 119 this week as you um, maybe are having your daily devotions or maybe you never read the Bible. This is a great place to start because it's a beautiful prayer of just wanting to follow God and his commands. And let's see what happens when we do focus on God and what he has for our lives. And, and my prayer is that just like the prodigal son, he found the heir of his ways and returned home and, and could live at home with his family. That's what I want for all of us, is to, for us to be living the way God has for us so that when we get to heaven, God welcomes us in and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to pray over you this morning. And the worship team is going to sing a song through. And, and you can leave if it's time for you to go and, and you're good. Just don't forget to do your survey. <laughs> Plug there. But um, I'm not going to have an altar call, but please come to me if you would like for me to pray for you. You know, as a pastor, my dreams, my purpose as a pastor is not to preach. I'll do it when pastor asks me to. And it is one of the things that as a pastors, we have to be ready to preach the word. But my purpose for me as a pastor is to walk with you hand in hand, side by side with you in your life. I long to, to speak words of life into your life from God. So that, with that if you need help or prayer, that I'm here for you. You know, because I struggle through life. I struggle to know God's purpose for my life at times. But my hope is that as a church, we can grow closer together and we can help each other along. The, the, Paul tells us to spur each other on. And that is my purpose as your pastor here today, is to spur you along and to maybe you're not wonder maybe you're you don't know what God's purpose is for your life. Maybe you said, Melissa, I'm not off course. I don't even know my course. I want to help you through that. It's not me. It's God. God is our our ultimate help, our guide. But I want to help you in prayer and just believing with faith that God has a purpose for your life because He does. And so this morning I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to sing. I'm going to be up here. If you want me to pray for you over anything, if you have anything that you want me to pray for, I'm here. Um, But also specifically, if you feel like you're off course or want to be put on course to know what God has purpose for your life, please come and see me. I want to pray for you. And not only pray for you today, I want to know so I can pray with you during my week because I do pray for you. And I wouldn't want any of you to walk away this morning saying, I don't know the purpose for my life, or I'm off course. I need to be readjusted on course because I'm here for you. And there's nothing more important in my day today than to spending time with you. So I will be here as long as you want me to be here to pray for you. So let me pray for you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I lift up my brothers and sisters this morning, God, that maybe those who are saying, we are off course, I don't know why I ended up in this place just like the prodigal son. But, God, that you can direct my path, God. You says your word is a lamp unto my feet. Oh, God, I pray that, these, that my brothers and sisters who find themselves maybe off course, that they will take your word and your scripture, and it will be a lamp to their feet, God, and you will guide them through your word, through your spirit, God. Maybe for those who don't know their purpose, 
Maybe they said, Melissa, I'm not off course. I don't even know my course, but God, that you begin to instill in them a purpose, God. Maybe that they feel they're too young to have purpose, God, but that you have designed us from our mother's womb. We were made by you, God. You have purpose for us from the beginning, God. I pray that you will begin to instill in the young people here, Lord, your purpose. Maybe there are some here that are saying, I'm too old to have purpose. My life is done. I've already outlived your purpose. But God, I know that you've told me so often that our purpose is not completed. Our mission is not completed till you come back or until we stand in front of you. So God, as long as we have life in our breath, God, we serve you. We have purpose. God, I pray your purpose and your mission over my brothers and sisters here this morning. God, that you create in us a clean heart. You renew our spirits, God, and that we long to live, to walk in your guidance, to follow your commands, God. I pray that for my brothers and sisters who maybe don't spend enough time um, receiving you as their daily bread, as retreating with you, but God, today they will walk out being encouraged to retreat with you, Lord, to spend time in your presence, to know the ways that you have for them, God. I pray that through this week, as we go out and we live our lives at work, with our children, with school, whatever we're doing, Lord, I pray for your hand to be on my brothers and sisters here. That in everything they do, God, you will give them favor. Anoint every step they have in your walk, in your ways, God. Because that's our heart's cry as a church. Lord, we long to walk in your ways, to be steadfast in you, God, because you are faithful. You are a faithful God. We put our trust in you, Lord. That at times we don't feel mercy or grace or love, but God, every day you are constantly renewing this love, that your mercies are new every morning. I pray this over my family this morning, that they feel your love every day, that those who are going through a midst of trials, uh, they're struggling, God, that you'll be with them, that you'll be their rod and your staff, and you bring comfort. You guide them, God. In Jesus' name, amen.